0: All right, well, guys, we missed you guys last week, but we are excited about the next two weeks as we kind of jump into a a two week series. And it's going to be a little bit different than probably what you're used to in middle school ministry. So many of you have in your seats a blank piece of paper and a pen. If you've got a notebook, kudos to you. You can use that tonight easily. Um, And you also have another blank piece of paper, which we're going to come back to later on tonight. But for now, You need to grab your pen and your notepaper and get ready to take some great notes tonight as we talk through some big topics, okay? First up, uh, how many of y'all have ever been in a position where someone has asked you about what you believe and you are not sure about how to defend it? Have you ever been in a spot like that? Maybe they said something like, hey, why do you believe that marriage is only for a man and a woman? How can you really defend that? How, why do you believe that? Or maybe they would ask you a question about, say, like, man, why do you believe that there was a God who created the whole world in seven days? Or maybe they would say, you really believe that, that God would throw down ten plagues in the land of Egypt and then separate the waters and they would walk by on dry land? How do you explain All these things. How do you give evidence for what you believe? Have y'all ever been in a pickle like that where you're like, I'm not sure what to say? I'm gonna tell you right now if you haven't encountered that, it's coming. It is coming quick. And many of you are just a few years or maybe a couple months away from high school. And I was talking to some students who were at Arlington who were talking through the different challenges they were facing there, but they literally had a, a teacher who asked them a question that was, Basically put them in a camp of either you're going to believe what the Bible says or you're going to believe what the world says. They asked them this question and this person was a believer and they wrote down their answer for why they believed what they said. And the whole class that they were in thought that this person was crazy for thinking what they thought. Do you not think that if you were in that predicament, you would be like, well, I'm not going to tell what I say or I'm not going to tell what I believe. Right? That's a scary spot to be in. This person stood their ground. They got hate from friends. They got called out on social media for stuff. All kinds of things happened, but they stood their ground on what they believed because they knew the evidence behind what they believed and why they believed it. And I'm going to be honest, students, many of us probably come to church with this idea of, hey, we're going to just believe what we believe because maybe our parents told us that, or maybe the life leader told us that, or the pastor said that. And I'm going to be honest, I, I'm, I want you to believe the things that you hear at church. You ought to be able to believe that. But you ought to know why you believe it. And if your only answer is because my teacher said so or because someone said so, that's not going to hold up for the length of your entire life. You're going to have to come to grips with why you believe what you believe. So I've got two guests here today who are going to help us over the next two weeks. This week is going to be heavily led by Mr. Kevin. we got Rick with us as well, who both are some of the most brilliant people when it comes to talking through apologetics or Really learning about why we believe, what we believe, the study of that side. And so both these guys are incredible. Rick works on staff with us down in the bookstore. So if you ever bought a Bible, you bought it from Rick probably, all right? Thank you. Thank you, yes. And then we've also got Kevin Dormer, who's one of our life group leaders. Titus Dormer's over here, shallow. I don't know where they're at, somewhere in the room. But this is their dad. Everybody say, what's up, Kevo? All right, that was a good try. That's all right. So... They're going to talk through a couple different things. I'm going to turn it over to Kevin. You've got a great statistic that students may want to write down or jot down that would just be something they could hang on to. But you want to start us off and kick off the night with our apologetic study? Yeah, you bet. And I want to warn you up front, you may feel like your
1: brains are a little bit stretched tonight, and that's okay. So if you don't follow all of this... That's something you can maybe follow up later with with questions, but we'd rather challenge you rather than have you be bored, okay? So if you feel like this is stretching you a little bit, that's okay. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. All right, so let's do this first slide. It's kind of like a ton of bricks. Okay, so here's a statistic based off a bunch of different studies that have happened recently, okay? 50 to 70% of young Christians just walk away from the church after high school. So by the time they enter their college years, whether they go to college or not, More than half. Let's be generous and let's just say half, okay? Let's ignore the 70%. Let's say 50%. So a lot of you in the room right now are not thinking about, man, I'm so glad I'm here at the mix and on Sundays so that when I go to college, I can just leave all this behind because I'm not sure that I really believe it. You're not thinking about that right now. But that number is pretty powerful, okay? 50%. You think about half of this room getting to some point, and like Corey was talking about, saying, you know what? I'm not sure I believe this. Like, my parents believe it. They believe it really strongly, they want me to believe it. I kind of want to, but I'm not sure that I really do. And then some things happen, that skepticism leads to kind of walking away when they go to college. The second statistic says, even the ones that hang on, about half of those, so 40 to 50% that are still in student ministry, they struggle after graduation. So they're in college, but they're still just not really convinced that what they believe is actually true. And right now you might be thinking, man, that's pretty heavy. We just had junk food and games. Like, You're going to drop that on us right now? <laughs> I'm going to come back to that. It's okay. It's kind of a heavy statistic. But you're probably in a couple categories right now. One, you're thinking, that's not me. I'm not worried about that. I feel pretty confident you know, that I'm going to be able to hang on to what I believe. I'm thinking back to camp, Colossians 2, 6, and 7, right? Maybe you're not just believing in Christ Jesus, but you're rooted and established in establishing the faith. You know what you believe, and you think you'll be able to hang on to that, which we pray that that's true. We want you to not just squeak by. We want you to thrive as a Christian and be able to create disciples, right, be a powerful ambassador for Christ. That's what we would hope. The other category, we'll come back to that, that first category. The second one is you think, I, I could see that happening. Like, I have some doubts. I have some things that I have questions about that I've never really gotten answered, either because I've never asked because I'm afraid to ask because I think, man, I don't want to ask that question in church. People are going to think, what do you mean you're not sure if you believe this? <laughs> like, this is where we believe things. Like, you're not supposed to ask those questions. Or you asked and you got an answer that was like Corey was saying, you just need to trust more. You need to have more faith, that, that kind of thing, which we'll talk more about those kind of answers. But that is not going to solidify your faith. That's mm-hmm. not what the Bible teaches to you. We see a lot of evidence given when Jesus said, see this, look at this miracle so that you may know that my claims are true. Evidence is actually in our favor. He doesn't say, hey, you just need to trust me more. So we'll talk more about that. So of those two different categories, let's, if you're wondering like why, why did those students say that they walked away? It's a great question. We'll go to the next slide. So here's some of the most popular reasons of four different surveys. Some stuff is just too far-fetched to believe. There's too many questions that can't be answered. I'm a scientist now, so I can't believe in miracles. That, that's a fun one. Uh, I learned about evolution when I got to college. There's a lack of any sort of scientific evidence for a creator. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. If you really believe that, is it gonna be kind of tough to hang on to what you were taught here growing up in Bellevue? If you think science is completely opposed to Christianity, yeah, that's gonna to be tough. We're gonna to spend a lot of time on that. i uh, go to the next one, I won't go through all these. Next slide. Uh, I realize that religion is in complete contradiction with the rational and scientific world and to continue to subscribe to a religion Would be hypocritical you can see a lot of a lot of things going on here and if you see kind of a trend is is this like a heart issue do you see those those reasons why the left being more of a heart issue it's really not right it's more up here it's maybe even people saying i want to believe this but something up here is not really convincing me that this is actually true and i'm having a hard time reconciling that and i never was able to so I'm just kind of done. I'm going to walk away. Any other uh, in, in your experience? Any other examples that have been given?
2: No, I mean it's it almost always goes to intellectual reasons. Is at least that's I've learned. I've spoken with atheists on many occasions, and it's always going to be intellectual grounds is the reason why they say they don't believe. But I've had the conversations long enough to know that I've been able to answer their questions and ultimately it never comes down to intellectual reasons because, you know, I always ask the question is, is, Hey, if I can answer all your questions, will you place your faith in Jesus Christ? And almost to the T they say, no. Yeah. If I can answer all of your questions, and you're still going to say no to Jesus, it's not on intellectual grounds. You're just hiding behind that. You're being intellectually dishonest with yourself and everybody Mm -hmm. else. Because if I can answer your questions, then you should place your trust in Jesus. Because again, it's not a blind faith, right? That's what the world will say is we have a blind faith. Um, We don't have a blind faith. Our faith is based upon evidence. And again, Kevin's going to cover a lot of that with you tonight, but it's not a blind faith. It's a faith that's based upon evidence.
0: And I would would add, I think that you see... Like, I know in this seat right here, you're probably thinking, there's no way that's me, that I'm going to walk away from the faith, or there's no way that I don't believe in something. Or maybe some in the room might even be, like, bold enough to even say, like, no, I do wrestle here. Like, I do wrestle with if God really created the world in seven days or if evolution is how we all came about. Like, I wrestle with that. But here's the reality. I've seen it in my years of middle school ministry. I've been in this role for four years. I've seen students leave this ministry here, And they are, man, I would think on the right path when it comes to walking with the Lord. But they get two years removed, and they're around new friends, or they're being exposed to new teachings, or maybe a new worldview somewhere. And they realize that their worldview about Christianity has just crumbled. They walk away from the faith, and now they have nothing to do with what the Bible says. It's no longer the authority in their life. They live by what the culture says, or what people say, or by something else. They didn't have a grounded root or a grounded foundation they built their life on. I mean, it's, it's a reality that when he says 50%, that sounds like a crazy number, but I'm telling you, even in our own church, we see that of a lot of students that will walk away from the faith just a few years down the road, and it's because they never owned it. They never really believed it. They were around it, but it wasn't something they really believed in their heart and in their mind, intellectually built that foundation.
1: And here's the good news. Again, you might be thinking, this is kind of a downer. Like, yeah. no, seriously. Yeah. When, yeah. when your smoke alarm goes off in your house, and you wake up, and that thing is screaming at you, is your first response like, man, this is a downer. Like, I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> yeah. The smoke alarm is going off. Like, come on. No, what are you thinking? We gots to go. Yeah. That is a warning that there is a much more serious problem that could kill you, right? It's a good thing. It's a warning. These kind of surveys, and if you go to the next, the next slide, these surveys are, are like a smoke alarm. They're, they're telling us, man, there is something going on. And here's the good news. There is no part of Christianity that can't answer the hardest questions. There are no gotcha questions that it, that is going to turn Christianity upside down. Like, oh, I guess that's it. Game over.
0: So you're saying there's no question that a student could ask that you're like, Man, we can't, we can't face that head on. We can't deal with so that. So
1: Kevin Dormer might not be able to answer the question. <laughs> yeah,
0: but Rick can. That's what Rick you're can. telling me. Rick yes, can. It's yeah. real hard
1: We go to Rick. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, the good news is, Christianity is not something that you just have to force yourself to believe. God created us with minds to be able to understand, not just what we call special revelation, so the Bible, to understand what's written there, to interpret it correctly, He created us with minds to understand what he created around us and to look at it and say, Mm -hmm. man, that sure seems like it is awfully designed or like where did that come from and all those things as you'll see, point back towards the Bible being true about what it says, and we'll get into some more details on that.
0: So the answer to, or not the answer, the the heart behind all those questions we just saw on the board about, I don't believe that because I I got into science, and now I don't believe that creation and things were real, or maybe I got into science, I don't believe that fairy tales that you see in the Bible are all rooted in this. These three words you put on the screen here unanswered intellectual skepticism. Break that down for us. What does that mean? What is that saying?
1: So I'm going to go reverse order. Skepticism means you look at something and you're like, well, I don't know about that. That doesn't make sense to me. Like the videos earlier, the, the fact or, right. or cap, right? right, right. You, know, you
0: see something, I don't know. I think that's cap or I, like I don't I know. This, yeah.
1: But now you're telling me this, that's the skepticism part. Intellectual mm-hmm. means it's, in, it's with the mind. Something that you learned or something that you see doesn't seem to match up with what the Bible describes. The reason why I went to unanswered last, because I think that's the most important. If you don't ask the questions, if you have doubts, which is totally normal, but you don't ask them, can we address those? Can your life group leaders address those? Can we, can we try to get those answers for you when we don't know them right? You know, on the spot? No, we can't. So that's the most dangerous part is the unanswered piece. So we'll kind of give some resources later, but the important takeaway, maybe one of the most important things about tonight is if you have those doubts and questions where, man, I can't reconcile what I'm learning in school or this aspect of science with what I think the Bible's saying, don't keep that to yourself. You've got to ask those questions because we won't lie. We won't make up like, well, you just need to have more faith, or I think it's this. We'll get good answers for you so that you can help reconcile those things.
0: No, that's perfect. All right, well, I'm going to ask you a question that we've been looking at and talking through. Is that okay? Okay. Um, Here's a question that we were we just mentioned, and it was if someone were to come up to you or come up to one of our students, can I just ask first, real quick, how many of y'all have encountered anyone talking about evolution in your school? Anybody? Or maybe you've encountered friends that are dealing with evolution who've talked through that? Does anyone have a good definition of what evolution is? Anybody? You got a good definition on it? No? You have a good definition on it? Let me, can I bring your microphone? Can I borrow someone's? Yeah, real quick. Can you give us a definition of what evolution from Darwin's man, whole theology on it? What does he say? Well, basically people think we evolved from some kind of animal that we weren't just created. We sort of like morphed. Yeah. How like dogs and wolves, mm-hmm. they sort of like changed. Yeah. No, that's perfect. That's helpful. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Good job. I'll give will a round of applause for her. So... Evolution, could you just give us the 30-second snapshot of what Darwin says as well, picking it back up? Yeah, on.
2: evolution is, is basically what they say is, is that, one, first life came from non-life, right? and I think Kevin's going to cover the t- abiogenesis is the term for that. He'll get to that in a little bit. But life comes from non-life and that we have evolved from a single-cell structure, and it's through mutations and just chance time, is that we evolve into higher life forms. And so from a cell to a fish to a frog to a cat— to a monkey, to a human being, and that's what you get, yeah, yeah, that's how we got here today. Yeah,
0: so let me pose a question that you might hear from someone, a student might hear on their campus, someone might ask this, I heard you're one of those Christian weirdos, don't you, yeah, don't you know that Mm -hmm. evolution and science have already proven where we came from? Why do you believe in all those fairy tales instead of science? What do you say to someone who is basically calling you out for believing the Bible rather than believing what they would say science points towards, which is evolution?
1: So first I'd say, like,
0: okay, cool, It's a little hostile. A little harsh, That's okay. a little
1: harsh, yeah. I, I yeah. I can take it, I can take it. Yeah. So yes, I am one of those Christians, um, and here, here's a, something we're not going to hit on a lot tonight, but when somebody makes a claim like that, you might feel your emotions coming up, like, "Oh, I heard this thing. I should say this is gonna get him. This is gonna be the top rope answer that I gotta hurt yeah. it." in somebody's. yeah, go. Rick
0: told me. Yeah, Rick said,
1: <laughs> "Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that." Yeah. Instead, ninth grade boys are knowing, like, "Oh, I know what he's gonna say." You ask a question, right? It's real simple. You just say, "Hey, what do you mean by that?" When you say evolution solves solves everything, Christianity is done. Can you explain that a little bit more? Like, how yeah. did you how you get there? Like, why do you why do you think that? And the response you might get might sound like like scared eyes and just silence and like uh, nobody's ever asked me that before. Like I just mm-hmm. I heard it, so and that's okay. That's not when you pile on and be like, oh, take that. <laughs> yeah. like, I win. Yeah. I win. You lose. Yeah. Don't do that. Say, that's okay if you don't know the answer. Um, let me kind of give you some reasons why I believe Christianity is the best answer for how we got here. And that's what we're going to cover a few of those things. We just go to the next slide. There's a lot, of, here, here's the summary. There's a lot of great things that you can talk about to explain why Christianity makes the most sense with respect to why we're here. Um, abiogenesis, real quick, just means like, how do you get life from non life? We've never been able to replicate that or justify. How do you get something that's living from stuff that's dead? That's a big problem. Go to the next one, please. The cosmological argument, you're thinking this is about makeup, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. no, cosmological, like the cosmos, the universe, we're going to come back and spend some time on that because it's pretty powerful. Next one, the anthropic principle, why is everything so perfectly designed? Why is everything so finely tuned that we can actually exist and why why life is here versus we look at all these other parts of the universe and there's no way human life could exist. That one's really powerful. We're not going to talk about that tonight just for time. And Next one, I think there's one more. Uh, so then we're going to talk about micro versus macro evolution, which is an important distinction. So let's talk about the cosmological argument. Can you go one more, please? Okay. I'm be thinking, what in the world is
0: this school? <laughs> what are we
1: doing? <laughs> yeah. You're going to school. It's okay. This is good. This is good stuff. Really simple. Just hang with me. Cosmological argument, okay? Everything that had a beginning had a cause, has a cause. That makes sense, right? I'll give you an example for it in a second. The universe had a beginning there's a lot of scientific evidence for that that we'll cover if the universe had a beginning then the universe had a cause cause right it follows from that if the first two things are true the third thing has to be true all right so if you're hanging with me here's an example for the law of causality just to make that point everything that had a beginning has a cause so let's say my wife comes in from the garage and she says uh, do you want to tell me about anything? I say, uh, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, there's this new Z06 Corvette out there in the garage.
0: Yeah.
1: It's really, it's it's nice. It looks really new. Uh, do you want to tell me about that? I, I, I just say, wow, that, no, I don't know. It just showed up. <laughs> that is awesome. Like, lucky us, right? That's pretty amazing. I, I happen to really like Corvettes. That happens to be the color I would choose, but that is so weird. How did that get there? Do you think she's gonna look at me like, all right, knock it off. We need to go look at the bank account. What are you doing? This was not in the budget talk that we had. That's the law of causality. Things that have a beginning have a cause. Like clearly, even something that's relatively far less complex than even a cell inside your body, a Corvette, it's gotta have a beginning. Somebody caused that to exist in the first place, right? So that's the law of causality. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so that's the first part. Second part, the universe had a beginning. There is no question that the universe has not existed for, for an infinite amount of time. It came into existence. And in one, you know, whether you want to call it the Big Bang or something different, it came into existence. And we have to explain that. We, like, why? Why is it here? Why is it the way it is? And therefore, if it has a beginning, it must have a cause. So let's let's think about... What makes sense to explain why suddenly we have space, time, matter, all coming into existence out of nothing? So that kind of narrows down. We either, everything exists for no reason and came out of nothing, that's your one choice. The other choice is everything exists because of a cause for a a reason, it was caused into existence. So to create, create space, time, and matter, we need something that we call God as Christians.
0: What does evolution say? What does what the other side of the argument say so is the... I mean, what's their Unfortunately, what's their, there, their there isn't
1: one yet. There, there are some people that have theories about... Uh, there's, there's a lot of different universes, and this one just happened to be here, which doesn't really answer the question. And, and Rick will talk about evolution. Evolution, even if it were proven to be true, it still doesn't explain where did everything come from? Why is it here? And to have... You need a God that is spaceless, outside of space, outside of time, and not made of matter because he created all those things. So if those are our two options, you have to believe in miracles either way. You either believe that the universe came into existence out of nothing for no reason. Does that sound like a miracle? Yeah, that's a miracle. Or that a supremely powerful God created everything and chose to do so, which means he's also personal. Who does that sound like? Well, that seems to match up with the God of the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. So to take all that together, if you were to answer either to your own thoughts or to somebody else, well, as a Christian, I believe that you know, the universe exists, and something had to cause that. That's supremely powerful. And the most reasonable explanation is that God created everything out of nothing. Now, does that, does that get us to the God of the Bible yet? Not yet. That's in later, later evidence. But it sure looks like we need some sort of a powerful creator, and so that's why, as a Christian, it makes the most sense to me that something created everything rather than nothing. You see how we kind of apply that?
0: Can you elaborate on that about what maybe evolution and what their their argument is? Because he mentioned that there's another universe that maybe just...
2: Yeah, like what is that? What is It's called multiverse. Is what it's called. And, you know, kind because, like Marvel movies. Is that what you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, it is like that. It's kind of yeah. like a Marvel movie, but you end up and you have all of these. But you're not just a parallel universe, right? I don't have a problem with the parallel universe because we've got a physical world and there's a spiritual world, and that serves as a, another universe, a parallel. But for within Darwinian evolution and this idea of the cosmological argument, it comes we need millions of other universes. And if you've got enough universes, the chances for life to come to existence on one, well, it's possible. That's their reasoning. So if you give me a million universes, one of them may be able to generate life.
0: But they still don't back up where the universes come from, right?
2: Yeah, so somebody still has to. There's do still going to be a cause to get to those universes. Absolutely. But the other thing is, is when they talk about it, as Kevin talked about, time, space, and matter came into existence. What that means is there was a point in time when nothing existed. Nothing. We're not talking about a condensed mass of matter that just exploded, and that was the Big Bang, and then we got the universe. That's not, there was nothing. There was nothing, right? Thomas Aquinas said, nothing is what rocks think about, right? Think about that for a little bit. Nothing. <laughs> and so what evolutionists say, what secular humans and atheists will say, it was just, there was nothing, and they, they know that there was nothing, And it was just the next second, poof, there's the universe. The greatest magical trick that's ever taken place, just like that. It's a miracle. miracle. And literally, I had a conversation with an atheist, and I said, you know, it's only happened one time. (laughs) And he says, I said, you can't test that. He says, well, we only need it to happen one time. I said, now you're talking about a miracle. (laughs) And he didn't like that. But that's the truth of the matter. There was nothing. And then there's this huge, vast universe that we live in today. That's what we're talking about. Not a super dense mass of matter, nothing. Okay.
0: Okay, so you have that argument that someone who's on the atheistic side would say, in a moment creation happened, out of nothing came something. Out of no life came life. That's what the argument is that they would make. And what we're saying today is that this law of causality, causality says that if, if there is, if it has a beginning, then it has to have a cause at the beginning. And that has to, something had to create it to have, or something had to initiate it. And we believe on the scriptural side that that was a creator in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that we say we get past that spot. We move on to the next area, which would be evolution. Darwin has a, a I said theology That's not what I meant to say. I meant to say philosophy. An argument on um, evolution. Can you break that down for us on what he says and how does that line up with science and scripture?
2: Is that cool? You want
1: to with this
2: yeah. Uh, yeah, you can. Again, we we talked about Darwinian evolution uh, somewhere up there. It's got what's his title? The of his finches. Book? We got the. Oh, it's oh, okay. Well, well, oh, We'll move on. You can go back, but anyway, so you've got this whole idea of evolution. And people ask me, says, "Man, if my teacher asks me, do I believe in evolution? How do I answer that?" I tell them to answer, "Yes, I do believe in evolution, and I do believe in evolution." The difference is, is I believe in microevolution, not macroevolution. And that's what you've got up there is macro versus micro. And what we end up with in microevolution is that we have changes within a species. I'll get out uh, the way so they can right? see it. They got uh, it on screen. A cat yeah. is a species, okay? And there's there's thousands of cats, right? There's If there's one cat, there's too many cats. I'm sorry if you're a cat person. But, anyway, <laughs> but if there's one cat, there's a 1,000 cats. If there's one dog, there's a thousand dogs. All of that is a change that takes place within a species. That's microevolution, right?
0: I think we have a picture of some of the okay, Darwin's yeah, finches, the Darwin's I think. Finches? Yeah, do we have that picture?
2: Uh, somewhere we have some pictures. There we is. Yeah, so this was actually what Darwin, right? He used this as an example. These finches were found on the Galapagos Islands. And um, you can see up in the up that number one is how a finch's beak normally is. Right? And then a drought hit this area for a long period of time. And so what happened is, is the finches' beaks begin to change. And so you got number two. And you can see it's becoming longer. And then number three. And then you hit, see it down here on number four. And what that allowed them to do is food became scarcer and scarcer for them to get. And so they needed longer beaks to get into the cracks of the rocks to get these, the seeds and the foods and everything with it. And so Darwin was like, That is evolution. And so from there, and what they believe within evolution is is you get these small incremental changes within a species, and you get enough of those changes, you're going to get a brand new species. right? But there's two problems with that idea is, one, number one is a finch, right? Number four, it's still a finch. Number one's a bird. Number four is a bird. It hasn't changed into a brand new species. It hasn't become a pig, a dog, or a cat. It's still a finch. But what you're not going to be taught when you see Darwin's finches is, is when the rains came back to the Galapagos Islands, right, and so the food supply became more redible, beak number four reverted back to beak number one. They don't tell you that. Right? So that's a change within a species. Darwin's finches had these slight modifications, but to go from a finch to a pig, scientifically impossible. And that's the difference between microevolution, the change within the, the, the finches. The macro is the finch became a pig.
1: Hmm.
2: Micro versus macro. With macro, it's scientifically impossible. It cannot happen.
1: You guys following that? You see the kind of the difference between the two? Okay. Yep, yeah. yeah
0: we got it yeah it Let's it it. yeah you you mentioned beforehand that there's this argument that that those changes happen I was talking with you that's why we talked last week, but you mentioned that there's the scientists would say or maybe atheists would say that they would there were changes that happened very sudden that they would immediately come from a fish to a um, I don't know an, an iguana on land like that. And you you were in I think archaeology is that right? Geology. A geology. And you were you were asked you were asked a question to your professor about you said that I'm looking at these layers and there's these fossils that we find but why don't we see the in between fossils of like the the stages of development you don't ever yes. see that in archaeology why is well, that the case
2: you don't and so in geology everything is measured in epochs of time which can for for the world that's could be 100,000 years could be 500,000 years and so you've got all of these layers but when you look at the fossil record right all of the fossils show up in one layer it's called the cambrian level cambrian is what it's called and you find all of these fossil records when i was in geology i mapped all of these out so it was like 12 epochs of time And so if Darwinian evolution is true, right, what you would find is is you would find just a few fossils here, be very basic trilobites and little mollusks and stuff like that. And then as you go up through time, they would become more complex and complex, and then eventually you'd see a a tadpole, and then you'd see a fish, and then you'd see a snake, and then you'd see a pig, and, and you'd see all these transitional points within the animals. Well, we, when you look at the geologic time scale, it does not show that. It's this, The Cambrian level just comes full of fossils. okay? And the fossils are fully formed. And so I wasn't a Christian back in college. And so I'm, I'm talking to my professor about this. We mapped it all out. And I said, hey, how did all these fossils end up in this one layer? And his response, I'll never forget this. I don't know why I remember it. But he said, you know, conditions became right for life to come into existence. I didn't care. I just wanted a grade. I wanted to get out of the class. That's all I wanted. And so I moved on with my life. But then I became a Christian. And then I started asking all of these questions. And then it's like the conditions became right for the existence of life. That's called creation, (laughs) day one. Day two, day three, day four, day five. The conditions became right. What's that condition? God. Yeah. And he spoke it into existence. Yeah. And then the other thing was, is, right, how did all those fossils get buried all in that one layer, mm-hmm. right? Even in college, we talked about this, and it would take a catastrophic worldwide flood to destroy all of these animals, To lay them down in one layer. And I'm thinking, yeah, I don't think that ever happened. And then I became a follower of Christ. And then I read, this guy, Noah. God floods the earth and he buries all of those fossils.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you this. I'll ask one more question with the evolution side. And then if there's anything else you want to add on it, you can. But, you know, you mentioned um, that. People try to say the earth is millions and millions. Maybe, you know, they say longer than Adam, you know. Um, you mentioned that in creation, you, you thought that, hey, that the earth was created similar to how Adam was created. You want to expand on that a little bit? So maybe yeah. just talk about how, how do we consolidate that, the science there that backs up, there's a, a length in time or there's age to the earth. How do we, how do we walk through that?
2: Yeah, typically they sit there and say, I mean, the, earth, the universe is 4.6 billion years old. That'll get you one point on one of your tests. But anyway, mm-hmm. and so we struggle with the idea, is the earth old or is it young, right? And so that becomes a struggle. But if we look at Genesis and we take Genesis chapter 1, right, God says he, he created, there was day and there's night, and he created, there was day and there's night, and he created, and it was good. And so we go through that. And so somebody says, well, are you young earth or are you older, right? That becomes a standard. And I'm like, well, I lean towards a young earth. I don't say what the years are because we don't really know, but I lean towards a young earth, and they said, well, how do you explain that the universe is 4.6 billion years old? And this is how I explain it. God created the universe old. Not to appear old, right? God's not deceptive in that. He didn't create it to appear old. He created the universe old. And they're like, yeah, I'm not buying that. Walk through this with me, right? So God creates, and on day six, who was created on day six? Adam. Adam was created on day six. And the word Adam is, it's talking about a man. A young man is what it's talking about. And so if we were to show up on day seven, and so when I say a young man, uh, 25, 26 years old in the prime of their life, that's what I'm talking about. But if we all showed up on day seven, right? We're on a field trip. We show up on day seven in the garden, and there's Adam, and we're like, man, that dude, he's hitting the gym every day. (laughs) I can tell. He's fit. (laughs) How old would Adam be? He'd be one day old. Adam would be one day old. We would look at him and in no way, dude, you're 26 if you're a day. He would look 26, but in actuality, he's one day old. Why does he have to be created a man? Because he needed to be able to exist in the environment that God put him in. If you brought him out as an infant, right, either he's going to die or the wolf's got to raise him. And neither one of those (laughs) is going to happen, right? So God created him fully formed, fully functional, fully developed, that he could create and carry on the duties of creation. The same thing with the universe. God had to create the universe, created it all, so it could continue in its existence. We were talking about this, the Big Bang. I've got no problem with the Big Bang. But literally... When you look at the Big Bang, it's less than a millionth of a second. I don't even know what that is, but it's, it's, it's already passed multiple times, okay? And so listen, a millionth, from the Big Bang to the time to the end, everything had to be in its place. Every planet had to be formed. It had to be in their orbits. The stars needed to be where they were because if it was more than a millionth of a second, in other words, it spread out too fast, it would just go off into oblivion. Right, but if it expanded too slow, it would collapse back upon itself and just destroy itself. So within a millionth of a second, because of gravity on that side, huh? Because of gravity, or what? Yeah, gravity yeah. would cause that to collapse back upon itself, and and
0: any further would just continue yeah, to. Yeah, it would just
2: go out in space, and, and nothing would ever form. And so God created the universe, old, even at one day. That's cool. So it could continue its existence. Is that
0: no, that's great, man. You, you've got something you want to bring forth as well to kind of paint this picture of how do you... How does something just accidentally happen that Darwin would claim an yeah. evolution just there? And we talked about this, but the is it the complex... Uh, yeah, if yeah. you go
1: to the next slide there. Thank you. So this is a quote from our buddy Charles Darwin that you're probably not going to read in, in textbooks, but here's what it says. If it could be demonstrated that any complex organ existed which could not possibly possibly have been formed by numerous successive slight modifications. That's the macroevolution that Rick was talking about. My theory would absolutely break down. That's a pretty big admission, right? You know what Charles Darwin didn't know anything about? The cell. They didn't know anything about microbiology, let alone DNA, all the stuff that is incredible, all the little machines that are doing stuff inside every one of your cells right now. He didn't understand any of that, but he admitted if there's things that couldn't have possibly come into existence by all those slight modifications, then macroevolution falls apart. That's, that's pretty important. So here's an example of that. Uh, there's a lot of those irreducibly complex systems. I'm not even going to talk about those, but one thing I'm going to talk about a little bit is DNA. and I have a little bit of an example.
0: Yeah, you might be you. wondering,
1: do I normally carry bananograms in my pocket? No, I don't.
0: I'll do it for you.
1: I'll okay, I'll all right, it. so here's what, uh, here's what Mr... Corey's gonna show us. Oh. So here's what here's what randomness says. Like, who thinks that if we just drop these, you want know, to do it over here so it doesn't? Uh,
0: We're okay. losing a couple. It's well, okay. I We're it's all
1: right. All right. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It happens.
0: You mean drop it here? Just go for it. Do it.
1: Let's see. Who thinks this is gonna spell out something amazing <laughs> by doing that? Anybody?
0: We got one Whoa. in the back. Whoa. Well, we got some more. Yeah. Uh.
1: All right, this was a bad example. Could you have a shot of up here? Can you show that? Dude. So this was not what we expected. This was supposed to, that kind of defeated my point.
0: I think some of them really think that it says that up here, I
1: think. So, yeah. so nobody, nobody's running up here because you think that actually happened, right? No. Yeah. Morgan, you want to come see it?
0: Yeah.
1: Nobody's, nobody's rushing the stage to see this incredible miracle of how it says Morgan is super hype, yo. Yo. <laughs> by dropping it. Why, why is that? I was like, Kevin, that's not reasonable. That randomness doesn't do that. Okay, here we go. Here's the connection. Your DNA has more information inside of it, not just random letters, but information that gives purpose, that has a goal-directedness to everything that comes from, from what DNA does in your body equivalent to 500,000 movies and some of you guys are thinking I wish I could watch 500,000 movies (laughs) that's not the point that's a lot of information 500,000 movies in one strand of your DNA now you tell me if you're talking to someone who doesn't believe in Christianity you can ask them is it reasonable that you would have that much information like a software code have it be inside DNA and it be there just as an accident, just like Corey dropping those letters? Is that reasonable? Is it possible? I guess you could say it's possible, but is it reasonable? What do you think?
2: Hey, it's Kevin. not reasonable, right? Hey, Kevin, yeah, how, how many times would Corey have to drop those? Seven. To get that, to get I the, think it's that to seven. Happen? Seven times? Seven if he times. dropped it seven times, we could yep. get that? Right.
0: You know that's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll drop a few of them seven times. How about that? Oh man, scattering more More and more. more. Yeah, the higher, yeah, the more time that goes, the farther
1: they're going to scatter. Okay. So here's the connection between that and what we talked about with the cosmological argument, right? Well, not only do you have to have all these random chances. What would you ask about those about those tiles, the letter tiles? What's the problem? Where'd they come from? Where'd you get those tiles? Like, You can't do random things with stuff that doesn't exist, right? So we're back to the same problem. Like, Let's say chance over trillions of times spells out just a few words on the ground. Well, you don't even have tiles to begin with because where'd they come from? Why are they even in existence? So we take arguments like that. We think about macro versus microevolution. If you're keeping kind of a tally scoreboard in your mind here, we think, all right, the existence of a universe, man, that's pretty tough to believe. It just came out of nothing for no reason. Macroevolution, we don't see the evidence in the fossil record. We don't see things going from less complex to more complex. We actually see things going from more order to disorder. Right? What happens if you don't clean your room after a while, if you just leave it alone? It just gets more and more organized, right? Everything gets put away. No. No entropy
0: says, <laughs> we go from yeah, Neil, you know what I'm talking. yeah. About. they're trying to find out where they can get that machine. They want to know it how do they yeah, things go from order to disorder and get
1: this. This is really cool. I got a chance to see this IMAX movie one time that, about the universe, and we can see at the very edge of the visible universe, and what you see is a bunch of galaxies that are they're misshapen, like they don't look like our galaxy, they're kind of falling apart. That is what we call entropy that you'll learn more about. Things go from order to disorder. Energy goes from a higher energy state down to a lower energy state. You know that if you have a flashlight and you leave it on overnight, you wake up and it's dim. You know, well, you used up some of that energy,
0: right? And you don't use your phone. Next thing you know, you're like at 100%. Wow, that's you know, amazing. You're like, I went from 10% to 100 just by using it more. That did not right. happen. No. So why
1: would we think that life forms, first of all, why do they exist in the first place, but go from less complex to more and more complex things? Is that reasonable? No, so you kind of see a trend here as a Christian, you look at all this evidence and you realize, man, this is pretty wild. One, that God gave us minds to even understand these things and to say, man, that points towards a designer. Information requires an author, just like when you're reading a book. The existence of a universe requires a creator. And you look at the things that are broken in the world. We don't, we're not even talking about morality, but we look at all these things in the world and we say, man, there's a lot that's broken We look in our own hearts and we say, man, I see there's some problems there. We can recognize things that are wrong morally, and Christianity provides the only solution to that through Jesus Christ. So in your mental, you know, tally board, you should be thinking, man, Christianity is believable because of good evidence and good reason. Not because somebody told you to or because somebody, you know, you want to believe it, but you're not really sure yeah. I hope that you were encouraged hearing these things because you realize, man, there is God has given us so much evidence to show that He is true and He is real, and we can put trust in that.
0: Well, Kevin, we got we're we're at seven thirty nine. We probably need to wrap up in the next one or two more minutes. We need to wrap up, but um, what we've talked about it tonight. We've said, hey, this is what an atheist would say, or someone who's um, uh, you know an evolutionist would say towards. Creation—that's I mean, just one facet that we answer. But the big idea is just saying, "Hey, every person, every believer, ought to know why they believe what they believe, and that the questions that are being asked of them about why do you believe in those fairy tales, why do you believe in the Bible, or why do you why do you not support evolution? There's real science that backs up Scripture of what we believe. That's what we're trying to get at, right? And uh, and that this the the philosophies or the arguments on the atheistic side or the scientific side that they would say actually doesn't hold up with evolution is one thing we've seen tonight. But there's so much more to unravel in this conversation. So where should a student begin their journey if they're trying to start this study of like, I want to know, not just that the Bible says it's true, or that the Bible says creation was seven days. I want to know what science says as well and how those two marry together under one synonymous truth. How how do they do that? Where should they go? What resource should they point towards? That kind of stuff. And you can chime in too as well, Rick, if you got something there. But and we'll try to do this
1: kind of quick. You guys have been awesome. You've been great yeah. listeners. Let's go yeah. to the next slide real quick. <clears throat> So why do apologetics? If you didn't know, this stuff is called apologetics, which is kind of a fancy word. It just really means being convinced. And and here's the cool thing. We're actually all commanded to be able to do this. 1 Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared. This is the key part. Always being prepared to make a defense or give a defense. That's where the word apologia comes from. For a reason, to anyone who asks you, for a reason for the hope that is in you being prepared to make a defense. Does that mean saying, well, the Bible says? Well, it's true. The Bible does say that, but being able to give a defense is all the things that Corey just talked about. The second thing is Matthew 22:37: You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He created us with a mind. There's a connection here, and that's why learning these things, it has a powerful impact. Um, you go one more slide, please. When you understand, when you're convinced what you believe, it has an impact on how you live your life, right? Because you're believing it. You, you are living out what you actually believe, not just what you're told to believe or what you say you believe. Furthermore, it, it's impacted many atheists that were convinced that Christianity was false. And over time, God basically uses evidence to remove some of those bricks in the wall that people have built up to say, no, I don't need that. I don't need God. I've got evolution or I've got this. And so it's powerful. As we try to share our faith with others, it gives us amazing ways of being able to do that with some of the mm-hmm. things that we talked about. And uh, I'll give you the
2: – some I'm going to chime
1: in here in a second, Rick. But one, one more point I wanted to make. Remember at the beginning we talked about if you felt like, hey, this isn't, this isn't me. I'm not worried about this. Let me ask you one question. If I asked you, do you believe that the Bible is true? A lot of you would say, yeah. One, like we're in a church setting, and that's the right answer, right? You say the Bible is true. Here's an example just to to kind of draw things out. If I told you giving uh, some of what you make is really important, and here's why. It's not because God needs your money. It's because he allows us to give, to have kind of a loose grip on the things that we have that he really gave us in the first place. And by doing that, he blesses us through being able to give to the church and to other organizations. Uh, That's not why we do it, but we end up being blessed because of that. If somebody asked you, hey, does Kevin believe that giving is a good thing? You'd say, yeah, I think so. I mean, he, he just told us he, he did.
0: And then I go check your bank account? And then you
1: look at my bank account, and <laughs> guess what you, you would see? If you saw no giving in there?
0: You'd be like, Do you I, don't really give. You don't really believe yeah. in that.
1: Do I really believe that giving is important? No, I don't. I told you I did, but my actions tell you a different story. Here, so here's the wrap-up. You say you believe this is true. You believe that it will change your life. Because it is something that is provided to us through men, but actually authored by God. And if you spend time reading it, memorizing it, praying, God will change you. He will make you more like him. If you actually believe that, and we looked at, are you spending time doing those things? Or is it a competition with video game time? Or is it hard to get up early? If we looked at your actions, would those match up with saying that you believe it to be be true? You see the difference there? Yeah. Why do I connect that with these things? If maybe maybe you're not totally convinced. You say you are, but I want to encourage you as you become more convinced by digging into this type of evidence that's available to us. That's where we say it will change your life. It will impact you because you will become convinced that this is actually true, and you'll you'll live differently because of it.
0: That's perfect. We got some resources real quick. I'm gonna throw on the screen. We've got three websites. I would love for you to write these down if you still got your notes open. Okay. One of them is called Stand to Reason, str.org. A lot of great content on this website. This is, this is a great one to look at. It's str.org. Stand to Reason is kind of the big idea, but it's, it's brilliant. It does, a, it does a great job of addressing a wide variety of um, questions that you would get in apologetics. Another great guy is Frank Turek. He's got a website called Cross examined.org Likewise, it's got a lot of content there. You're also going to find some debates between Frank Turek and a couple other guys on there. And then finally, you've got Sean McDowell. He's written an, a lot of books, um, a lot of great books on apologetics, really nailing down why you believe what you believe. mcDowell.org is another one you can go to, and he's he's constantly, he's probably one of the guys that are well-known, but he's constantly putting out content And I believe Sean used to be, or was it his dad? One of them used to be an atheist. Is that right? His dad used to be an atheist. Hardcore, he went out to prove, like, Jesus is not real. And in the science, in the study, in the history, he came to the conclusion that there's no way this guy's not real. And so both him and his dad, Josh McDowell, Josh McDowell, both are great resources for you, okay? All right, before we wrap up, I got... Two things I'm going to say, and then I'm going to bring up our closures, which is Morgan and Sam, and then we'll get y'all out of here. I apologize. Thank you for being so kind to us and being so attentive tonight. Band, I apologize for cutting one of our songs tonight. Please forgive me. Science rocks. Yeah. Geologist jokes. That's what that is. Yeah. You can tell them about the box. Cool. Uh, yes. So number one, in the back of the room, there is a box called the Can I Ask This in Church box. It's the can I ask this in church box. So if you see in your seat, you have a piece of paper that looks like this. Aww. If you've made it into a paper airplane, it's okay, all right? If you need to borrow a piece of paper, we can get you one. But here's what you can do right here, real quick. I'm almost done. Ladies and gentlemen, bear with me. You can write a question you may have on this piece of paper. A question maybe you're, you haven't ever been able to ask in church a question you talk about maybe with your friends, maybe you've heard it at school, or maybe something you just want to learn about. And what we're going to do is we're going to address these on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights, in different fashions. We're going to try to address your questions on a regular basis. We may combine a couple into one question, but there's a box in between our two double doors in the back. It's on the wall. You can take this bad boy, fold it once, slip it in, and we're going to try to answer those questions in the next few weeks. Second thing is this, Rick Jones is going to be with us next week. And you want to give us a ten, like a one-second snapshot of what you're teaching on?
2: We're talking about what is truth, right? You probably have heard, well, you have your truth and I have my truth. That's what we're going to talk about.
0: That's great, man. Yep. That's perfect. So that will be next week.